This is Matt Hurt, at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny, at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Also, the episode sponsor for this week is once again Horror Movie Yearbook from the Midwest Podcast Network. They just recently re- released an episode that was recorded at... Uh, Motor City Nightmares uh, Horror Convention up in, uh, I believe, Detroit, I would assume. Um, uh, so check that out at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And thank you, Horror Movie Yearbook, for sponsoring us this week on The Obsessive Viewer. Once again, Horror Movie Yearbook is a podcast where they talk about uh, horror movies and kind of uh, package them together by the release year and they contextualize their reviews and their discussions and tailor the discussions around the current events of the time of, of the year of release and of uh, and the pop culture of the time. So it's a lot of fun. Check it out at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And uh, yeah, today on the podcast, Tiny, uh, we've got a little bit of news to go over news news and then we're also going to be what are we going to be reviewing uh a vin diesel double feature oh my god it is a vin diesel double feature <laughs> guardians of the galaxy Vol- volume 2 and the fate of the furious wow that's wow i didn't even i'm stupid i didn't even make that connection both movies highly influenced or highly influenced by family values seriously well. <laughs> i mean like not even a joke it's one ridiculously so and the other just semi-ridiculously so right yeah <laughs> both both vin both of these vin diesel movies uh feature family dynamics prominently in it one is super ridiculous the other has a talking raccoon <laughs> exactly <laughs> one of them beats the family thing to death and the other one right. talks about family while other things get beat to death exactly uh so yeah so we're talking about guardians of the galaxy volume two and the fate of the furious um i don't think we're going to go into a spoiler discussion for fate of the furious but since guardians is kind of a big deal uh we will have a separate spoiler section um i'll probably this time around i'll put that kind of toward the end of the episode or i'll put that probably after the little credits in the episode um that way if you want to hear two spoiler free reviews of guardians and fate of the furious you won't have to skip around and everything um so first off tiny before i get to news how how are you doing is everything i am good? very well good good you were late because you were talking to a neighbor yes i'm super domesticated yes now. yes you are yeah um yeah yeah you are yeah um <laughs> Uh, whereas I went to a wedding last weekend and when I came back after being gone for like two whole days, um, my cat did not care any less, <laughs> um, could not have cared any less. Um, so that's where I'm at in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so anyway, before we get started into our first of the two reviews, um, we have a little bit of news to go over. Um, last week, Tiny, we did a bonus episode about the Dark Tower trailer. And so we spent like over an hour talking about the Dark Tower and the Dark Tower trailer and the fan reception to it and everything. Um, 
and it's it's yeah that was just something we spent a lot of time on so we won't talk that much about the trailer now but i kind of want to talk about a little bit of the feedback that i've heard mm-hmm. um kind of out in the internet and everything um have you have you heard much feedback about about the trailer from people no okay i haven't i haven't looked for it because i just don't it's gonna be so frustrating right i understand yeah um so yeah so i am a glutton for punishment and so (laughs) i i looked at the things but the uh first thing i want to point out is that this trailer came out like a week ago tomorrow Mm -hmm. and at the time of this recording it's been out for six days and it's up to 10 million views which i am super excited about yeah um i think that that seems pretty promising and uh, the second thing I want to bring up is that I've kind of had this thing where I've been asking the people that I know who I know have no idea what the Dark ta- Dark Tower is or don't really have that – don't have that Dark Tower knowledge or the um, interest in it that you know a Stephen King fan or Dark Tower fan does. Mm-hmm. And I've been asking their opinions about it. I listened to our friends over at The Nerds You're Looking For. They touched on it in the news segment of of their recent episode. Um, and the thing that I keep finding that's really interesting, and we touched on it a little bit in the bonus episode, is that I just find it interesting that people are confused or or um, the nerds you're looking for. They had they had really interesting thoughts on it because they they were pretty underwhelmed by it. Um, they thought they thought that the action looked cheesy, and kind of the thing that stood out to them was that it didn't seem like their idea of what the Dark Tower is based on their passing familiarity. They, I assume, and I've seen this talked about across the internet and stuff, is that people kind of see like the gunslinger and think it's, it's the gunslinger is like a pretty, um, I wouldn't say straightforward, but it's very steeped in like, you know, fantasy and, and Western. Um, they don't really understand that, you know, this is a multi-universe spanning thing mm-hmm. and multiverse thing. And, and it's has as much tied to uh, our world as it does to mid world. And it, it's a whole thing. So it's interesting to see the commentary arise about it um, around that kind of um, not misunderstanding, but that that conflict of, of ideas about what, about what the dark tower is and, and what it is as a whole misconception misconception yeah 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 um so i thought that was interesting and we won't talk on it talk about it that much if you want to hear more of our thought more of our thoughts on the dark tower trailer uh check out our bonus episode last week in, okay in mr conception <laughs> okay um <laughs> anyway hilarious that's it we're done um so a couple other things I want to touch on really briefly and then we can go into our reviews um, is that uh, Deep Six, the web series that I, I talked about a while ago that I backed on Indiegogo, um, they are in steep, like they're deep in editing for the show. They released a teaser trailer that I'll put a link to in the show notes and I may, I may throw audio from it into the, into the episode at the end or probably right here. Space is hard. We're always at risk. This scientific mission is important, but it's not worth risking our lives over. We should have left five months ago. Juke, we have to leave. What are you talking about? What the hell is this? It's contact. Five. We've been here 11 months, and suddenly all hell breaks loose? Four. Did you see anything? Three. You need to get out of there now. Two. 
It's it's a very science based hard sci fi um, web series, and it looks like it's going to be interesting. And they've been having updates about it and everything. So I'm kind of I'm looking forward to seeing what it's like. And and now they have a teaser trailer out, so you can check that out. But uh, I recommend checking it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And then tiny finally, um, this Chris Pratt thing. Um, we don't have to talk about it that much because it's kind of. It's ridiculous, uh, in my in my opinion. But um, have you heard about this Instagram outrage thing? Instagram? Didn't he say? Uh, I thought I saw a headline or something where yeah. basically he told people to turn up the volume or something. Yeah, and people said it was insensitive to the hearing impaired. Yeah, I guess the idea. I guess what happened was he had posted an Instagram video with subtitles um, that said "turn up the volume." Um, because Instagram has, uh, like when you sc- you're scrolling through Instagram, they don't play the audio on the videos as they autoplay. They just play right, the video. Right. So he posted this funny video of him say of the subtitle saying like, uh, turn up, the- turn up the volume so you can hear my voice. Um, and then like people that are like hearing impaired, they got super offended and, and kind of like went after him with pitchforks and it's just like, uh, manage your outrage it's right it's not like he targeted a specific group of people and said hey uh you hey you guys suck because you can't hear me you know try to hear me it's not it's like, like he was taunting the hearing exactly apparently. and it's just like this fucking outrage culture is so annoying because like they'll hone in on something like something will be honed in and blown out of proportion like if if a group of people on the internet um deem something as um offensive when it's not even like like i get i get being outraged about something or being offended by something if the intent is clear like the intent is to is to right you know troll someone or to or to provoke someone or to be offensive to someone like i get that type of outrage but this is like this is chris pratt chris pratt's the coolest guy um yeah and it's like he didn't do this intentionally um and so it just it annoyed me when I saw that, but his man, like I saw his like apology Instagram post, um, which friend of the show Robert Feckus and frequent guest he posted on his Facebook about like how uh, he would if he was Chris Pratt he would have put the um, the clip from Guardians One where he's doing the doing the wind up thing with his middle yeah. finger. Um, uh, he would that would have been his apology, but Chris Pratt's actual apology and like, man, like he like he is the coolest like celebrity person on the planet. Mm-hmm. He just is. It's like this long thing saying like, hey, I understand how you can construe that as being offensive. Um, I I, I didn't mean it that way. I really I'm really sorry. And and it's very heartfelt, very genuine. Talks about how like at one point he's like, I know that a lot of you are probably saying like, oh, his publicist made him do it, but I control my social media. I totally control it. I'm like, it's me 100%. I'm just, I feel bad. So I apologize. But like he accompanied it with a video of him and I don't know what exactly he was saying but he was like he was signing like his apology and I was like man and like you could tell I mean he's an actor but I mean you could tell like he seriously like meant it and I'm like dude 
I, I wish, I wish, uh, what is that movie called? I don't even remember the movie. Oh, I wish Passengers was better, but you're amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't have apologized. Oh, yeah, me neither. I wouldn't even have addressed it. Mm-hmm. Just kept gramming. That's what the cool people call it. Well, Tiny, I'm really offended by that. Okay? <laughs> because there are so many grandmothers on the planet who <laughs> don't do that. So you have targeted this entire person, this entire uh, group of people. Fuck grandmas. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Damn Just SJWs. Kidding. Oh, God. So today on the pod, do, do you have any comments about that? I don't care. Okay, good yeah. job. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, so should we do Guardians first or Fate of the Furious? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Okay, let's do Fate of the Furious because I don't think we're okay. going to do spoilers for it. Okay. Right? It That's can be kind of brief. Do you want to do brief? Or brief. do you have more? We can do brief. Okay. Ouch. This is impossible. Which is why... You're going to need a little help. I will beat you like a Cherokee drum. We are about to go off like that. That took longer than I expected. If you're going to catch Dom, you guys are going to work together. Surprise. I just fell in love. Um, okay, so yeah, Fate of the Furious. I'm going to have to re... Name the title in my in my notes here, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> the Fate of the Furious was the eighth. Eighth. Yeah, because Fate. F8. Um, yeah, F8. Uh, eighth movie of the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, it's like it's funny because when I like when I checked into the movie theater and everything, like there were like a couple comments that I got that were like. Like, uh, one was like, "Why? Too bad you didn't you didn't spend your time on a good movie." Yeah, it's like, and it's like I, I don't know. First of all, I in that movie theater, I was like, "This is the start of the summer season for me." Yeah, um, it's just this is it. It's like this this is a fun, stupid action movie. This is what I want in my summer popcorn entertainment. Yeah, thing. Um. And it's just, it's, it's so much fun. But, uh, Tiny, uh, real briefly, why don't you talk about your relationship with the Fast and Furious franchise and your expectations going into Fate of the Furious? Man, I mean, I've, since 2001, I've lived my life a quarter mile. I knew you were going to say that. Time. I really have. Uh. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, they're just so much fun. These movies are just so fun. There's no, like, to me, that's untouchable. Like you, you can sit. You can sit down to address what you were just talking about. Kind of, mm-hmm. you can sit down and and just rip this whole franchise to shreds mm-hmm. because it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But all all someone has to do, you can do this with anything. You can do it with Transformers. You can do it with TMNT or whatever, mm-hmm. or uh, Twilight. I don't care what it is. Sure, you can rip it to shreds. But someone else can sit down and just be like, dude, it's just so much fun for me. Mm-hmm. You can't take that away from anybody. Like, you just can't take that away from people. If you if you genuinely have fun with it, like that's 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 something that's untouchable in in, mm-hmm. in my book. And to me, every penny of the eleven dollars I spent to see Fate of the Furious was well spent. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And it's it's just so fun. It's 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 over the top, and it's 
I've, I've, I think since Fast Five, maybe, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've always thought that the, the subtitle for any, uh, Fast and Furious movie should be, uh, War on Physics. <laughs> right. Or like FU Physics or something like that. <laughs> um, it's, it's just ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's ridiculously fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this movie really continued that. Um, I thought there was, I thought there were genuinely a couple things that were like more than just fun. I was like, that's actually kind of good. Like, okay. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying like, you know, the Oscars need to take a look at Fate of the Furious right. or anything. I'm just saying, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of a good idea. Um, the Oscars are busy giving awards to Suicide Squad, but that's not yes, the Yes, they are. All Oscar winning Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, but no, but I mean, and, and there were just a couple things that like, while they're ridiculous, mm-hmm. they're very clever. Yeah. Like, like it's a clever plot device or like a, cl- not, not a plot device, but like a clever set piece, set piece, mm. something like that. Yeah. So I don't care what anyone says. I, <laughs> I love the damn, the damn movie franchise. Mm-hmm. I had a great time and loved every minute of it. And I will, I will be there opening weekend for fast nine or yeah. furious nine. Uh, it'll be called fine. um (laughs) uh yeah and i I echo a lot of those sentiments and this kind of is a little bit of a tangent but before i go into my kind of broad thoughts and everything um in my relationship with the the franchise um you know it's interesting you make the comparison to like twilight and 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 uh transformers and and everything like before guardians 2 i saw the trailer for uh, transformers the last night or whatever it is Mm. and like it's interesting to me because like, I mean, we've been known on the podcast to rip the Transformers franchise apart and, and really yeah. not be fans of it. And, I mean, I'm still... I say that, but, I mean, still, I stand by everything we've said about it. It's it's kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because, like, yeah, it's kind of the same principle. Like, it's just cool shit blowing up and action set pieces and um, and everything. Like, they're very different types of movies, obviously, um, but it's interesting, like, is there kind of a, is there like a reason like why we gravitate toward the fast, fast and furious franchise rather than like transformers or another like big budget, uh, franchise that's kind of more of a, uh, staple of the season rather than, you know, coherently made, yeah. um, plots. I think the difference is that the Fast and Furious franchise is not trying to be anything more than it is. Mm-hmm. It knows exactly what it is. It's not trying to. It's not trying to win Oscars. It's not trying mm-hmm. to um, get the art crowd or anything like that. It's not. They're they're not going for a well crafted script and mm-hmm. this and that. They know exactly what they are. You know what you're going to get with the movie. And th- there's no, there's no like pretension there. They're not, sure. they're not being pretentious. They're just like, yeah, this is a, this is a goofy blow it up movie. Mm-hmm. And they, they acknowledge that and take it over the top. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Transformers, they're like trying to get nominated for Oscars every year. And they're like, you know, they, they're like that uh, for like special effects. Yeah. Right? Like they okay. want special just effects Oscars sense. every year and they want, mm-hmm. they want people to take them seriously to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just being goofy. They don't put goofy uh, 
they don't have The Rock and Jason Statham just going back and forth needlessly like a bunch of idiots with <laughs> stupid one-liners and stupid and, one-liners about how they want to beat each other up with yeah. just like the faintest hit yes. hint of homoeroticism yes. behind it exactly. like just the faintest yeah oh it's so great so oh my god like yeah like Transformers doesn't have that mm-hmm. and, and Twilight didn't didn't have that like right there, there, there's a difference there. There's mm-hmm. a difference in like attitude and like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure how to, how to put it into words, but that makes sense though. I, I understand what you're saying. They're going for and, something different with Fast and Furious. Yeah. And Transformers is trying to, um, you know, shed a light on why statutory rape is okay, apparently. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, is it? There was one scene in the Transformers 4, I think. Transformers. Um, <laughs> Um, where it's like, uh, Mark Wahlberg's daughter is like a teenager, like mm-hmm. something. And like her boyfriend is like super old, much, much older than her. Really? And like, there's a scene in it where he actually takes out like the guy, like Mark Wahlberg is confronting the guy about it. And the guy takes out a like laminated thing from his wallet. That's like a piece of like legislation saying that, uh, it's like the the like the Romeo law or something like that. That's like, oh, it's okay for us to date because of this of this ruling and stuff. It's like, if you're going through that much, <laughs> like, what the f- like, what? If you're laminating and carrying around yeah. legislation, then like, if like if you're writing a script, yeah, that's your that's like, why are you going through so much trouble to have this put into the movie? <laughs> like. What the hell? Anyway, that's that's Transformers. We're talking about Fate of the Furious. Yeah. Um, my relationship to the franchise is I was a huge fan of it, like the first the first movie when I was a kid, because I think I was like fourteen at the time, and like that's like when I was like like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have my driver's license and stuff, and I was like <laughs> wait I, I I would go on record and say like I was more of a I, <laughs> I was into cars the way that the way that um someone who's into DVDs and Blu-rays are into the covers of DVDs and Blu-rays. <laughs> okay. Like, no idea what the fuck is going on inside or anything. Yeah. But, like, you know, this car looks pretty. That one's shiny. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, so I was just like, I, I liked those movies and the chase scene and there, there was a charger, which I really liked. I loved chargers. Um... And so, yeah, so I really loved the first movie. And then, like, I just kind of grew out of it and everything. And, and I realized that it was the first movie is Point Break with Cars. Or, yeah. as I've said in the past, Point Break, B R A K E. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I just kind of fell out of it. But the fascinating thing, the fascinating thing is that around like <laughs> Fast Five or, or Fast and Furious, Fast Four, or whatever. Um, around that time, they, um, the, this franchise stumbled into a, a, like, a, um, it, it was limping and then stumbled into this vast, like, connected universe where characters from the third movie, like, it, like, the third movie is a prequel to the stuff that's happened between four, five, and six. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, all, like, it's this weird timeline thing. 
and it like it it fits well like yeah and like we joke about how they put an emphasis on family like when i i think i don't remember who i said it to or when i said it but i was like um seeing fate of the furious gonna take a drink every time uh dom says family Mm -hmm. um because that's like like that's that's the movie the movies are just like uh i got friends I, i don't got friends i got family like that kind of thing and it's it's ridiculous but it has like a a ridiculous heart to it um and it makes you you know kind of root for the characters they're not it's the it's action set pieces and shit blowing up and stuff but like you get the sense that these characters actually care for each other right even as melodramatic and over the top as it may be it's still like it still gives you that hook um so yeah so that's why i respect the fast and furious franchise and stuff um Fate of the Furious, I thought was such a blast. I really liked that, um, the opening of it, which they've been kind of doing this, I, at least the last couple movies, um, where the opening scene is kind of a, is a race scene. Um, mm-hmm. and this one was a lot of fun. It was like in, in, uh, in, uh, was it Cuba? Yes. Cuba, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's such, it's such a cool, like, set piece for it. Um, uh, the movie was directed by F. Gary Gray, which I thought he did a uh, he did a fine job. Um, Justin Lin used to direct him, right? Yeah, he directed like two or three in a row. Yeah, and I, I liked his work a lot. So, um, and I mean, F. Gary Gray didn't isn't. I don't think his work was better than than Justin Lin's or anything. If anything, it was on par. I didn't really notice anything too spectacular. Um, there were some really cool set pieces. I thought that the um, remote controlled car scenes um that's maybe a misnomer there's a scene where um there's a set piece where cars are there's a chase scene in new york city yeah i'll say that um that's really really uh cleverly done and really looks cool that's the part i was talking about i was like this is kind of one of the coolest things i've ever done and like (laughs) i'm not saying that ironically like this is ridiculous but it's kind of smart or kind of clever too like I, i genuinely like that a lot yeah um and yeah, and I mean, it just, it has a lot of fun stuff. It's, it's a lot of silliness. And, um, the one complaint I would have is that it, the, the heart aspect of it, the kind of family aspect of it was kind of felt not hollow, but it felt kind of like after, after having, um, the seventh movie be, um, Brian O'Connor's send off and everything and having that be, you know, having that emotional tug of it um after uh uh paul walker passed away um obviously that's going to have a lot more you know connection to the audience and and everything and and to the filmmakers uh this one just kind of felt like kind of going going back to back to what was what it was before it didn't it didn't have that which is not the fault of the movie um and i'm not saying i wish someone would have died but um that's a terrible (laughs) joke um but i'm just saying that uh, it kind of felt like the family em- emphasis was just kind of like this is what we do right um yeah uh so tiny any specifics you want to talk about um yeah i missed paul walker which mm-hmm. it's, it's really sad it's a bummer it's still yeah. sad um and i felt like you know obviously there's nothing they can do but i i genuinely felt like that that absence yeah um and so that's that's a shame um I'm I'm wondering if there's something they can do to like, I don't know. I don't know what they could do to 
to fill that void, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like the, yeah. the the family thing that's that's overplayed. Um, a lot of it was contingent upon Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. I um, agree. Yeah, I, I like that was that was kind of the crux of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that that's not there, I think they're trying to stress the whole Dominic Toretto and Letty. Yeah, um, their family thing, and like that's it's it's it were it. it, it, it worked fine for this movie but it's, yeah it just doesn't have the same feel to it exactly and like i i'm i can kind of take or leave michelle rodriguez as an as an actress and and her chemistry with with vin diesel i think is yeah. just just okay um but yeah I, I know what you mean it is it is very much uh uh prevalent in this movie that that they don't have that same backbone as 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 paul walker and mm-hmm. vin diesel did yeah um and then i'll say Charlize theron i thought was great Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed her as a villain quite a bit. I thought it was one of the better better villains they've had in a while. Okay, yeah. Um, I liked that. Uh, and then, I don't know if you noticed this, but Natalie Emanuel, the uh, um, African-American actress. Who, oh, the hot the hacker, hacker. The hot hacker yeah. chick. Um, uh, I can't remember her name on Game of Thrones. She's the oh, oh, Khaleesi's oh. right hand. Yeah. Um, oh, she it's had, like, it's not, I keep wanting to say Melisandre. But it's like no. it's like something similar to that Masande. Masande, sure. Masande, Masande. I forgot. Her. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, British actress. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that she has like three and a half lines in this movie? Yeah, she. Uh, there's the one. There's yeah. the one hacking scene kind of early on, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Like otherwise, she just has like a line here or a line like. Yeah, and even like in the like in the car scenes and stuff, like she's like. She's a passenger. Yeah. It's like, and that's weird too, because, and I mean, I mean, I'm going to say this like half facetiously, but, um, kind of the other thing that's kind of a bummer about Paul Walker, like passing away, not bummer about Paul Walker passing away, but them having to write out Brian O'Connor is that they, they completely, like they have to write out Jordana Brewster. Yeah. (laughs) Like she's out of a job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like, yeah, she is. And like, um, you can kind of see that, like, um, I mean, like this, like this, this hacker girl could be like, she could fill that void as well. Yeah, not not necessarily like replace her or anything, but like right. be the like the other prominent female on the team. The female lead character is now Letty yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, but she was always kind of the distant, hard ass. Yeah, not exactly a deep character. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that she does a bad job or anything. Like she's. I enjoy Michelle Rodriguez a lot, but right. Jordana Brewster was kind of like the mom of the group. She was, you know? and that's gone now. Yeah, and uh, Ramsey is the character's name. Yeah, could, and it, could possibly fill that role. But like, yeah. and there's this whole love triangle mm-hmm. that they quote unquote love triangle, right. That they kept emphasizing throughout. It started in the last movie, uh-huh. and now they they kept going with it in this movie. But it was ninety percent ludicrous and. Tyrese Gibson, yeah, just going back and forth with each other. It's like she was barely even. She didn't get to say anything. She didn't, <laughs> she and kinda... it's and it's like uh, it's all for comic relief instead of any kind right. of like character building or anything. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of what they need for that character for the character of Ramsey because I mean she's a newcomer and she's still, right. Yeah. Um, to kind of switch gears a little bit, I want to talk about something real quick. Um, that's a complete. <sighs> Like it's, I'm not gonna harp on it or anything. I forgot to mention this when we did our Dark Tower trailer thing. Uh, Scott Eastwood is in this movie. He is, and I like I get kind of 
not irritated, but like, um, I've heard people say that like, oh, Scott Eastwood should have been, should have played Roland in the movies. Yeah, I've heard that. And I'm like, the only reason that Scott Eastwood, like, you want Scott Eastwood is because he looks like Clint Eastwood, who's the basis for Roland. It's like, seeing him in this movie, I'm like, you need someone who has range. Like, ironically, I didn't see it. I don't, I don't see him as the, I don't see him as, uh, Roland. Oh, me neither. Like, no, I, I absolutely not. I couldn't, I can't see it. Yeah. And I, I think this just like in this movie, he's, he's comic relief. He's not taken seriously or anything, but I just, I don't think the guy has the chops to do something like that. Right. I don't think so um, either. Yeah. And like he was, like he wasn't bad in this movie. I just think that, I think that they hit that hit that note of him being kind of a by the book inexperienced guy just a little too hard and uh it kind of felt like it kind of it kind of felt a little a little rote like it, it didn't it didn't feel like it was anything special in the movie um and i don't know if part of that was because of his uh performance or not but it just kind of felt like eh um like you could have cut him out of the entire movie and it, it wouldn't have made any difference to me absolutely yeah yeah this is also a kurt russell double, double feature we're doing I oh that. yeah that's true yeah. look um, at that but yeah scott eastwood yeah i i agree like he, he's fine but mm-hmm. for him as roland like it like clint eastwood would be you know clint eastwood 40 years ago mm-hmm. would have been awesome roland because clint eastwood's like a hard ass yeah and he sounds like a pack of cigarettes you exactly. know what i mean like scott eastwood sounds like a dude from california right and he's like really pretty and yeah i mean yeah i just i don't he, he's not rugged right i'll say that yeah so exactly um so <laughs> uh jason statham D- jason statham and uh dwayne johnson god that was so much fun uh, hobbs and deckard I- yeah i will beat your ass like a cherokee, <laughs> like a drum. cherokee drum so gay <laughs> so awesome <laughs> It's and a little racist, maybe a little bit racist, just a little, a little bit. Yeah, um, you could construe it as racist. Yeah, but like, oh my god, it's just like another complaint is that uh, slight spo- like that didn't really have as much of a payoff as I was hoping it would. Yeah, um, but just like the interactions between them, it's like it's so fun. It's yeah. so fun. Just that hint of homoeroticism that I referenced. Yeah, it's like. It plays on that, you know, buff, super oily, masculine 80s action movie, 80s and 90s action movie that was like steeped in like, you know, like homoeroticism and stuff, Mm -hmm. like very clearly. Um, It kind of pays a little bit of homage to that in just such a fun way without beating us over the head with it. And it's just... The way they infuse it with ridiculous ma- macho, like, yeah. like, literally before one of those interactions, or I think during it, The Rock rips a concrete <laughs> bench off the wall and That's starts right. and starts curling it, That's like lifting weights. Oh my god, and, I forgot about that. And then in another one, they literally each one of them takes a side of a transmission and they lift it up and bolt it onto a car. Like oh, it's like the yeah. most manly macho bullshit you could possibly <laughs> like, you know. It's so over the top. It's I love beautiful. this franchise. It's so ridiculous. I really do. Yeah. Um Oh god. Um yeah, and then and then Kurt Russell I, I enjoyed. I love Kurt Russell in anything really. I know. I I've really come to like that guy a lot. Yeah, I kind of wish he had more to do in these last two movies um yeah. since yeah. he was introduced in the last movie. Um he's kind of a uh, like he's he's kind of the behind the scenes 
um, corporate, like not corporate, but like uh, G Man. G Man, yeah, yeah, he's the government operative that's kind of running things. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of hope that they do more with him in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlize Theron, you said that you really liked her. I thought she was pretty good. I didn't really. Yeah. Take, uh, she's pretty diabolical i think she she is yeah and there's yeah. some really interesting and intense things um that she does throughout the movie and kind of the the thing that she has hanging over dom is i, I thought that was an interesting wrinkle in the in the story me too um especially but, the climax of that which we won't spoil yeah I, we can't talk about that <laughs> yeah. but it's it's so great like and it's one of those unbelievably stupid things yeah that like they cut like they cut to like funny little bits throughout this huge sequence um that's so stupid and over the top but it's so fun it's just so fun it is um yeah so so uh is there anything else you want to touch on or should we uh, kind of move on to our guardians review like i said can't wait for fast nine or (laughs) me too furious nine I'm fine, fine with that. Hey. Um, yeah, and, and real quick, uh, Christopher Hivju, uh, who plays uh, Rhodes in the movie, he is definitely known. He's known as uh, Tormund in Game of Thrones. Red beard dude. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, it was cool seeing him play a villain in this movie. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was fun. Uh, so yeah, so that's Fate of the Furious. Where do you, would you rank it? in the furious universe like asking me what my favorite breath of air is (laughs) i I don't man i don't know who's your favorite child i I still think i still think (laughs) fast five is my favorite okay um the one in rio if people Mm -hmm. can't remember uh i don't know but i I think it was definitely better than seven uh i think so too i think it was better than six and seven um, yeah, I don't remember six that well, but yeah. um, I think it was better than seven. Also, like they did some cool things in seven. That's yeah. We, they went to uh, uh, Dubai. Yeah, and they it was about the whole God's Eye. Thing. Yeah, that was the yeah. thing that I wasn't too keen on. Right in in seven because it felt like just government surveillance. Yeah, cool. It's sign of the times, but it's in every movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, and the rock was in the hospital for most of it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that was it's unforgivable, unforgivable. <laughs> um, so yeah, it did give us the iconic line. Daddy's got to go to work. That's true. So as he, by sheer willpower and, and, and brute strength rips his arm from a cast. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, uh, fast, uh, fast eight fate, I I thought was, uh, pretty good. Fate of the Furious was, uh, pretty good. And I look forward to, uh, Fast and Furious nine. Yep. Showtime, a-holes. So, um, having reviewed Fast and F- uh, Fate of the Furious, um, let's go ahead and get into our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, so, 
Uh, real quick, plot description, IMDb, set to the backdrop of awesome mixtape number two. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 continues the team's adventures as they unravel the mystery of Peter Quill's true parentage. Uh, it's written and directed by James Gunn, who is going to be uh, handling uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Nice. Uh, yes. And we were huge, huge fans of Guardians of the Galaxy Yep. when it came out a couple years ago. And, uh, and yeah, th- this movie uh was very highly anticipated by us um and yeah so so let's talk a little bit about how we went into the movie and and how we saw it Mm -hmm. do do you want to go first oh sure (laughs) yeah i i um i remember thinking that um what's funny about the first guardians of the galaxy is that i think i think we talked about this two years ago or three years ago when we Mm -hmm. when it first came out is that it's uh it's it's a little bit plot weak when you yeah. actually look at it but everybody loved that movie us included mm-hmm. and and you know I think I remember saying that the reason is cuz of the characters yeah the characters are like borderline perfect mm-hmm. and the chemistry of everyone involved just worked so well and so going into the second movie I was worried about them being able to hang on to that mm-hmm. and and being able to continue that and thinking like okay we are they going to be able to weave in a little bit better of a plot this time how is this going to fit into the marvel cinematic universe are we going to get to see thanos again or still whatever i don't know it's they've been teasing it for like 26 years right um so you know i i had all these questions and uh it it was it was really funny cuz i think they answered those questions the, my concerns for it, I guess they answered those in a really, a really fun way. I think, which we'll get to. Nice. How about yeah. you going into it? Uh, going into it, I, you know, I didn't really have that many reservations. I just kind of thought, you know, this. Uh, I, w- I was pretty sure I was going to going to like it. I, I had my expectations were were pretty well handled going into it because i figured that james gunn's at the helm he did a fantastic job with the first one and like you said we did there were some issues with the original and it's more issues with the marvel cinematic universe rather than guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. um to borrow uh honest trailers take on it guardians of the galaxy is essentially space avengers yeah um like beat by beat and it has the weak villain problem and everything so i kind of knew that I knew that I still liked the original Guardians of the Galaxy uh, despite those flaws. And I figured that if anything, Volume 2 was going to be just a blast or a fun a fun viewing experience. And uh, I was very pleasantly uh, surprised. I, I ended up uh, really liking it. We'll talk more about that. Um, how did you see it? Uh, I saw this um, with friend of the show and Patreon subscriber uh matt yes. andrico mm-hmm. and his wife um they're getting ready to have a baby this uh, week yeah it's pretty exciting it's this so, week this week yeah are they gonna are, are they gonna name it groot I, I i highly doubt it oh, okay yeah matt if you're listening <laughs> you should name it groot yeah so this was kind of like our last time to hang out with them before they have the baby okay so um so it was really fun we went to dinner and, and went and saw it at uh, out of brownsburg uh-huh. um and it was I was like, I remember when we were playing this, I was like, well, why don't we go see the movie on Brownsburg instead of them coming to Indy? Because oh, yeah. open, that's opening night, pretty much. Right. I assume, well, I assume there were like midnight screenings on Thursday night, probably. I th- yeah. 
but or like but eight, still, ten screenings. Right, Friday's opening day technically. Right. So I was like, it's going to be busy. So why don't we go out to Brownsburg? So hopefully it won't be so. Uh, you know, busy, and it turned out we had to like wait in line and stuff. And oh, really? There were a ton of people there. It was it was a full theater, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't like Star Wars or anything, right? But it was it was full. Okay, nice. Two D, three D, two D. Good. But there was, gosh, what was it called? It was it was a two D, but it was like GDX. Oh yeah, what? I don't know the specifics of what it is. Kind of like the. GD, is G, I don't know if GDX is the right letters, but it's oh. <laughs> it's some generic term that they use they justify to make it this spend more money. Stands for goddamn X. I don't know why. I, I don't know. You shouldn't laugh at that. Anyway, um, no. It sounds uh, like yeah, great digital or giant digital experience. I don't know, mm-hmm. grand digital experience, something like that. Kind of like the Dolby Atmos stuff, I yeah. guess. It's it's like, like a, it's it's really just their excuse to charge you a little bit more money for your ticket. Sure. Um, I did not notice a difference at all. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. But yeah, it was it was fun. Nice, nice. There was there was I will say really quickly there was a lady who laughed way too hard and loud. Really, at everything like tiny like if it was a serious moment mm-hmm. and there's a little tiny joke in there, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you, know, you basically just smile as opposed to laugh. She was like, yeah. ha, 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 uh, and like just really freaking loud. Are you and, sure it wasn't Dave Batista as, as Drax? <laughs> no, no. But she was she was more annoying than Drax. Oh. It was ridiculous. I mean, and she was like four or five seats down from Paige. Oh, that's And sucks. like sometimes she would just look over me and like, is this like you fucking serious? <laughs> it was God. It was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Um, I saw it in 2D as well. I was kind of worried about seeing it mm-hmm. only because I, uh, as I mentioned before, I went to a wedding uh, this past weekend. Congrats, Yuri and John. Yay. Yeah. Um, and it was in, it was in Dayton, Ohio and we live in Indianapolis. So I, I drove to Dayton, went to the wedding, uh, went, went to the reception, stayed, stayed the night and then um, came back. And then on the way back, uh, my friend that I went with, like we were talking and we're like, do you want to see Guardians of the Galaxy too? Nice. It's like so after like a night of drinking <laughs> and a two hour drive back to Indianapolis, we decided to sit in a theater for two and a half, three hours, right? Um, with previews to see it, and like I was exhausted, so I was kind of concerned that I wasn't going to be able to stay awake. But um, this was a Sunday matinee, and we bought tickets online an hour before the showing uh, hour before the screening, because uh, we were an hour away and we figured we might as well buy the tickets now. And like they have at the AMC theaters, they have the premium seating, which is the, the backer rows. Um, and then the Vanguard seating, which is the first like four or five rows um, in the front. And on the premium section, there were no two seats together. Like mm-hmm. there was probably only like five seats available and all of them were, uh, at different parts of the theater. So we ended up having to get the Vanguard seats <laughs> in like the fourth row back, which wasn't that bad. Cause I mean, it was, we were able to get center seats. So it was, it was fine, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I mean, that's a Sunday matinee. It's like, granted, like you're expecting it to be super busy, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I was able to stay awake, but man, <laughs> that night I slept so freaking well. <laughs> um, it was a long weekend. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we saw it in 2D and, uh, yeah, did, did you notice there were like a ton of trailers? Like, oh, yeah. way more than I was expecting. I think there was, there was at least six. 
Yeah, seven yeah. trailers. I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I I knew that it wasn't going to play the Dark Tower trailer because uh, because we had been messaging uh, after you saw it. Mm-hmm. But um, what kind of bugged me, or kind of I don't know if "bugged" is the right word, but kind of like made me think, like, okay, just get on with the get on with the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, was like they they did their their regular previews and everything each one had like the been approved by the MPAA and then like i noticed after a while like the last like handful of trailers were like they didn't have that they just had the logos and stuff and then went into the trailers um and what was funny was that it's because they were disney disney and and marvel trailers so they had like uh-huh. thor ragnarok spider-man homecoming they had pirates of the caribbean 89 or whatever one they're on now <laughs> and then like one other one and they were all just in rapid succession oh oh <laughs> one other one uh the last jedi <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like and i was just like man disney needs to stop doing all this because i just want to see guardians and yeah. like i love trailers i really do but i mean granted i was tired and a little cranky so the internet's kind of ruined them a little it, bit and and that's true too that's yeah. that's absolutely true it's just it's not um it's not the same appeal as it used to have it, it really isn't because it's not you're never discovering a movie yeah unless it's something that you don't it, it, unless it's something that's just not on your radar yeah. and with the internet the way it is and as as uh as uh, uh pervasive Mm-hmm. as it is um ubiquitous ubiquitous it's like if something's not on your radar it's because you know it's not going to be on your radar right right so that's so that's that's true but anyway it's funny you said um, that um because mm-hmm. there was a trailer for i don't know if you saw this one before it uh the movie valerian oh yeah city of something or whatever. city of something yeah city of, i don't know yeah. um with car delvin and uh mm-hmm. i can't remember that guy's name um oh oh um Chronicle and yeah. uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, I can't think of his name. Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the is it a is it Luc Besson? Luc Besson. Yeah. yeah. And I I we saw the trailer for that, and that wasn't it wasn't that it was off my radar. I just hadn't bothered to really watch the trailer. Sure. Man, that movie looks absolutely stunning. Yeah. Just just the visuals. I was like, holy shit! Like it's true. Right. It's true to form for Luke Luke Besson because mm-hmm. he. He's very visual director, but I was like blown away. I was like, I, I want to see this movie in the theater just for the visuals because it looks really beautiful. It it does. Um, I kind of get a little bit of a uh, Jupiter Ascending vibe from it. Me too. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's see how it is. I guess it's based on a graphic novel. So apparently, it's a really famous graphic novel. That's what I hear. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, so uh, so yeah, that that was our experience going into Guardians Volume Two. Um, real quick before we get into our actual review, um, I just want to read a few uh, Facebook group messages that we received or feedback we got about the movie and what they thought. Uh, Brandon Cruz from several podcasts, um, uh, the uh, Submitted for Your Approval podcast, uh, a Twilight Zone podcast, and uh, a Rick and Morty podcast called Interdimensional RSS, and also, of course, uh, Apathetic Enthusiasts. He said, uh, I liked it better than the first, which is awesome. Nice. And uh, Tony Troxel, who posted it on Indiana Geeking, at 
uh, geeking in, in Indiana.com on his media Monday. I'll put a link in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, he said it was good. One of the better Marvel cinematic universe films on first viewing. It felt very disjointed in the first half, which I found jarring and disappointing still while not dethroning the original as my all time favorite. It's up there. And then uh, my friend and coworker Alex said, I absolutely loved it. I can't say it was better than the first, but it definitely held up to the hype. Who I want to mention, she and I work in a call center. Uh, we Our cubicles are like three feet away from each other. She typed that while she was on a call. That, that's a pro right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Professional. Um, and then uh, the aforementioned Matt and Draco, who is a Patreon subscriber and a friend of the show. Uh, he said, I absolutely loved it. The opening credits were amazing. The writing was spectacular. One of the best Marvel movies to date. And our friend Chad from the secular perspective.com said, I loved it. I loved it. One of the best opening sequences I've seen in a movie recently, right up there with Deadpool. Nice. So yeah. So thank you guys for doing uh, for for commenting on that. I gave very little notice, so I appreciate your guys's uh, feedback on that. And if you want to join the Facebook group, find that at facebook.com/slash/theobsessiveviewer. There's a link to the Facebook group. Just join and uh, join in and all the fun. Uh, so tiny, let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about it. Yes. So of course we're going to do a spoiler-free review, and then we'll uh, have a spoiler discussion later. Um, what did you think let's let's start with this how do you think that this movie this may be a, a loaded question to start on how do you think this movie matches up to guardians 1 and the marvel cinematic universe as a whole that's a good that's a good starting point it's a terrible think, starting point well i think i think it's important to note i think mm-hmm. i liked it better than the first one Interesting. Which, when I was walking out, I was like, God, I think that might be better than the first one. I think I might like it more than the first one, but I didn't want to say that because the first one was my movie of the year. Right. 2014, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, the first one's so good, and I don't know. It's it's the sequel. But having thought about it over the weekend, I was like, yeah, I, I just I liked it better. Nice. Um, not to take anything away from the first. but mm-hmm. So I, I think it is better than the first one. Um, and... As far as it fitting into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I, I think it was almost like James Gunn was like, let's just put that to the side for now. Cause sure. like the, I think like uh, Nebula and um, uh, Gamora, Gamora mm-hmm. basically just mention uh, Thanos mm-hmm. a couple times, and that's it. Like You don't see him at all. They don't harp on it. I was so happy about that. Me too. And not much about the Infinity Infinity Stones either. Right. It's like I'm super like yeah because that's one thing about the MCU that that's can been kind of getting under my skin. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I just I love that James Gunn was kind of like not playing lip service to the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. in this. Um, so it, as far as where it fits in, it almost doesn't. I mean, it's just yeah. it's almost like loosely connected to the right. to where the conclusion of this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going, which is that phase. Mm-hmm. That's the end of Phase Three, right? Is Infinity Wars, or is that? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay, it's going to be the conclusion of Phase Three. Is, right. Is Infinity Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad he wasn't really paying lip service to that, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it's not. Uh, it, it almost doesn't fit into phase three. It's just kind of mm-hmm. loosely tied to the MCU. Yeah. I thought it was great. And it's interesting and I, I'll shy away from spoilers and, and, and this thing, but kind of as a jumping off point from that talking point, um, or from your opinion there is that, uh, there, one of the stingers at the end of the movie, um, the famous Marvel stingers, of course, it hints at a character that was originally going to be 
in in the movie. James Gunn like intended on a certain character being included in the movie, mm-hmm. but it just got hinted at in in the uh, in the stingers in one of the stingers. Um, and what I like, I read a whole article about it on Nerdist where uh, he felt like that would be kind of over encumbering the the plot with too many subplots and having too much going on and everything. And I kind of took that to took that in a couple ways. One, I see that as um, James Gunn knows what he's doing. Like he he comes from like he comes from humble beginnings, I guess, as yeah. a filmmaker. So like he's he's not. He's kind of an ant, not anti, but he's kind of the antithesis to like Hollywood machine yeah. filmmaking. Like he's he knows what he's doing. He knows how to how to put together a script and everything. Um, and it also shows on Marvel's part that they're they. I feel like maybe they've learned from Age of Ultron that not to have not to have a ton of stuff in in a movie that sets up another movie and not to have a bunch of stuff that doesn't really fit into the main plot um and kind of streamline things cuz that's that's a better experience. I I feel like them I feel like the Marvel Studios is growing in their storytelling in that regard. Mhm. Um so I I kind of dug that. Um and yeah, for me I I'm I'm not going to say it's better than the first. Were you were you done with your initial thoughts by the way? Yeah. Okay. Um I'm not going to say that I liked it more than the first one because the first one is like that's one of those movies that i can throw it on and watch it at any time and never get bored with it or 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 uh disappointed with it or anything like it it stays fresh Mm -hmm. so in order for me to really place where guardians volume 2 is i'll have to see it at least two more times yeah um but the things that they did the the kind of uh the growth that they did for each of the characters and the dynamics that um uh that were that were kind of prominent in the movie worked like gangbusters for me. Mm-hmm. Um they really highlighted the attributes of each character that um they utilized each character in a way that um that, that really highlights what what we want as an audience and what worked in the first one. So you have like Drax doing like like doing his whole Drax thing and then you have um uh you have uh uh Star Lord and Gamora's flirtatious thing. You have all of these different combinations and stuff, and and it really like they're putting them together. It's kind of like it kind of feels like Volume One. Uh, they create they did Guardians of the Galaxy, and then now they're like, okay, this is what all worked really well in Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's put them into this movie that's that isn't pigeonholed to the Marvel cinematic universe in the way that other movies are. And it's not, uh, it's, I don't want to say, I don't want to say this cause it's, it's way too negative a connotation, but it's not following the pattern of the Marvel cinematic universe, or it's not a paint by numbers thing. It's not space Avengers. And we've proven ourselves with guardians one. Let's take what worked, put it into a really, uh, a really unique package in this, in this huge multi-billion dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate what they, what they did in that regard or how they, how they utilize the strengths of each character and, and, uh, each subplot in, in, in the finished product. Um, the, yeah, I mean, we can, we can, we'll talk more in depth about the whole movie, but I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and we can I think I can save this part about spoilers, but um, the heart of it, like like the 
kind of core of the story. Um, I mean, it, it kind of, I mean, it kind of got to me like it, it, it was really emotional. Oh, me too. Yeah. It was, it was pretty incredible. Um, and I really applaud them for, for pulling that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think to, to your earlier points about James Gunn coming from humble beginnings, I think mm-hmm. I remember seeing him on it, maybe on like a, a late night talk show or something, mm-hmm. or maybe an interview. I don't know what it was, but he basically said, uh, they're talking about the success of it. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. This movie, this is my fifth movie or sixth movie or whatever. He's like, this is my fifth movie and it made a billion dollars, which is a <laughs> billion dollars more than my first four movies. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean that's kind of true. That's kind of how it worked. I mean, I love his earlier movies, but oh yeah, um, but yeah, this that one kind of took the cake, and and this one's doing great so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mentioned when we first started that you know I, I had I had worries about maintaining the chemistry and mm. the, the the depth of the characters, and are they going to fix the problem of the kind of weak plot and the weak mm-hmm. villain? Are they going to be able to overcome that? Um, and the thing that I love so much about the first one was the fact that the characters are just so great and they have such mm-hmm. terrific chemistry. Um, and so basically, it was almost like James Gunn was like, you know what, screw you, we're just going to make the whole movie about the chemistry between the characters mm-hmm. and it's going to be about the characters. That's what the plot's going to be. And I was like, oh, okay, good idea, because that yeah. worked amazingly well. It, it really did. Um, I I think I think that decision and and going in that direction really speaks volumes to James Gunn as a creative mm-hmm. person and a and a director and a storyteller because he dedicated basically dedicated a whole movie a whole sequel to developing characters. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's almost entirely what this movie was. Yeah. Um and you and I have talked so much about how much we love character development and mm-hmm. you can have a weak plot but have incredible characters which mm-hmm. he which he proved in the first movie. Um so that's just all he worried about in this movie and I think it just worked I I would I would say it worked borderline perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think in this movie. It was I really loved it, and and to your point about the emotion emotionality of it, mm-hmm. I I got I kind of choked up at, at oh I did like two maybe two or three points oh yeah I was like holy crap this is like I don't think any other Marvel movie has done that to me mm-hmm. so far um I just yeah. I just thought it was incredible um and he didn't just I mean you know the plot was kind of centered around Star Lord and everything mm-hmm. and so obviously a, a majority of the development took place with that character but. I really loved what he did with uh, Yondu and mm. uh, Rocket. Oh yeah! I mean, that was that kind of came out of left field for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I thought those were kind of, I thought those two characters were rounded already. Mm-hmm. I thought we had kind of gotten to the meat of them, and that's it. Yeah, but we completely didn't. And just he he kind of like flipped it on its ear and made it a completely mm-hmm. different thing. Um, and and I just. It was incredible. This this movie made me think so much of like a Joss Whedon movie. Yeah. I thought this was a very Joss Whedon movie, mm-hmm. which I mean that in the highest respect and the right. most complimentary way possible. Um because I still think I still think Avengers is my favorite MCU movie. Oh really? The first Avengers and and I think a big reason for that is because of Joss Whedon's skill mm-hmm. skills with bringing a group together and and developing characters and I think that's one of my favorite things. And mm-hmm. I think James Gunn just did that as well as Joss Whedon did. So yeah, in I my, agree. in my book anyways, mm-hmm. having said all those amazing things, um, I kind of, 
I wasn't crazy about the whole Sylvester Stallone yeah, that thing. The whole uh, Ravager thing. Yeah. That, like, that's one of the things going into the movie that I, uh, like, I had reservations about going to see the movie, like, without having time to prep to watch the original, because um, I knew, like, Michael Rooker was back, and, I like, part of the first movie was just, like, like Yondu and, and that whole team are just kind of, like, they're kind of there, and mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of, like, they're, like, they make sense to the plot, they, they're integral to the plot and everything, but it's just, like, they seemed almost ancillary. Yeah. Um, and I like the way that they were incorporated in into this this movie. Um, but I had that hesitation, because I thought that they would be... I thought I'd be a little bit lost with the motivations and stuff, because it's been a while since I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think that was also just me overthinking things like I do with everything else in my entire life. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, yeah. And, and to your point, yeah, it is, it is very much a character driven movie. Like the, like there are action set pieces and, uh, like it kind of feels, it kind of reminds, and maybe this isn't a fair comparison and maybe I'm kind of misplacing my comparisons to it, but it kind of felt like a, kind of felt a little bit like Star Trek Beyond, um, where we get, more character focus rather than action focus like in guardians volume two we've got um we've got it set up to where we know where the characters are and everything it starts out with a pretty awesome uh like set piece and we have like set pieces throughout the movie but they're kind of they come about kind of organically like they don't feel out of place and when you get to the big climax of the movie it you they earned that climax they earned that uh, situation that they put them in um and it's not like the blue mysterious blue sky beam that's in every other marvel and comic book movie in general <laughs> it's like it's a it's an in, it's an interesting plot that has a lot of uh resonance with with the cast of characters and everything and it's it plays with uh it, it's a very it's a very uh plot centric uh situation that comes about. Right. Um, I don't know if that, or character centric, mm-hmm. um, to bring us into the, the climax of the movie. Um, I, I'm, we don't really have a set outline for how we're going to do this, but I just want to say fucking baby Groot. Yeah. The cutest, most adorable thing I've ever seen in the movie. Pretty much. Um, like every time I was just, I was, I just, I loved how they utilized uh, baby Groot, and every time it it was every single time that character was on screen, it worked for me. Yeah, in every conceivable way. I just I loved the way that uh, Baby Groot was in the movie. Yep, and I remember yeah. seeing the trailers for Volume Two, and I was thinking like, man, that's just pandering because <laughs> because people, I'll say specifically women. Mm-hmm. loved baby loved like the little plant baby Groot at mm-hmm. the end of the first movie and you know he's dancing to the end of yeah. it people just gobbled that up mm-hmm. and people just loved that it turned into the internet ran with it mm-hmm. um and i was and i just pictured james gunn sitting there writing the the second script and being like well we, we're gonna put baby Groot in there because people loved it and it'll help us get the women demographic and yeah. like that's what i thought it was i thought it was a calculated thing mm-hmm. but having seen the movie i it really wasn't he was a legit character mm-hmm. and he was pretty funny yeah. and integral to the plot it wasn't just it wasn't just some 
stupid little ploy. Right. I mean, I'm sure that was may have been part of it, mm-hmm. but uh, but it it worked. It worked a lot better than I thought it was. I, I mm-hmm. had some some bad uh, bad preconceptions about yeah. it, and it uh, it ended up working out. I think the best like mark for me, or the best the best uh, gauge for the how well Baby Groot worked for me, um, is that throughout the, like probably about halfway through the movie, I kind of thought like I felt like Baby Groot was so strong as a character and like everything everything about that character and everything about everything that baby Groot did on screen like worked so well that like, I thought like, I seriously thought, and I haven't rewatched it um, to confirm this or not, but I thought like, is this going to retroactively make volume one harder to watch? Cause like, <laughs> am I going to see like Groot and think like, think like this isn't working for me. He's not a baby Groot. He's yeah. not, like this is like, I was worried that baby Groot will be the defining stage of the character right um in the franchise and that still remains to be seen but i mean yeah. it, he just worked so well um in the opening credits i mean yeah so so cool it and so great. funny yeah um the way that they did it was just so so awesome loved it um do we have any other broad thoughts or should we jump into spoilers we could jump into spoilers okay before we do that let's kind of give our overall thoughts on the movie we already kind of touched on that at the beginning but for the people who don't want to be spoiled um uh i i loved the movie we'll talk more about the uh plot and the emotional impact of it uh in our spoiler section um uh and if you want to skip it just go ahead and go on to potpourri but um but yeah overall i thought that it was a one of the strongest marvel cinematic universe movies um ever and uh it makes me really excited for volume three um and i'm glad that it didn't waste a lot of time or waste hardly any time uh by bogging it down with with references to this marvel cinematic universe or uh to uh set up future movies it just worked really well on its own and uh in the it was a guardians it was a guardians of the galaxy sequel before it was a marvel cinematic universe movie in Mm -hmm. my eyes and that worked brilliantly and also drax is so freaking great yes his interactions with mantis were fantastic and we didn't even talk about mantis but i thought she was a i thought she was a worthy you know like a newcomer to the to the scene yeah um her her ability and her um uh the way she can be utilized within the guardians of the galaxy it's a little confusing to me <laughs> yeah like i don't see how that character has much longevity but who who knows right. um so yeah so i really loved it um i'll definitely be buying it um and we'll see if i like it better than guardians 1 when i when i re- uh, rewatch it a few times nice what were your overall thoughts um i like i said i do like it better than the first one um not to take anything away from the first one uh i, I just the focus on the characters was just so rewarding. I think, um, I loved it. Um, as far as it, where it fits in the Marvel cinematic universe, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's almost like it was kind of shoehorned in. I, I mean, not, not, that's kind of being derogatory. Um, and I don't mean it that way, but it's, I just like how it wasn't focused on that. Um, it was, it was its own thing. And so I, I think that was a, a great move. Um, I, I, I love the movie. I, I think it's it's definitely going to be a top ten this year mm-hmm. without question. I don't know if it's going to be the movie of the year again, but um, it was really great. I think the first Guardians movie had a lot of momentum towards the end of the year because it came out in like August, 
mm-hmm. of 2014, right. whereas this is kicking off the summer. Um, and The Last Guardians, I think the Blu-ray came out like before Christmas or around Christmas time. That sounds right. So it kind of it just had a lot of momentum at the end of the year mm-hmm. for for me to put it so high on my list that year. Um, I don't know if this will be able to carry that momentum through the end of the year for it to be like my movie of the year. Plus who knows what else is going to come out this year that might be better. Right. Um, but it's, Dark it's going to be Dark Tower. Dark Tower. Yeah. It's going to be a top 10 without question nice. um, for the year. Uh, I really, I really loved it. I would, I would give it a nine out of 10. Sweet. Loved it. Sweet. All right. Well, we are going to jump into spoilers um, here. Uh, we're going to jump into spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I will play a clip from the trailer and then give you time, give you guys time to uh, skip to Potpourri if you don't want to be spoiled or turn off your phones or whatever you're listening to us on. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll jump into spoilers here in just a second. I have to do everything! You are wasting a lot of time! That's a really bad sign. Okay, and spoilers on for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, so, Tiny, let's talk about uh, the plot in itself and, and about Kurt Russell in general. Uh, what did you think of the plot and kind of the emotional impact of it as well? Uh, spoilers, what did you think? Uh, I, I enjoyed the, the whole, the whole Star-Lord thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it... I think we all wanted to explore that more, you know, as an audience, we wanted to know more Mm -hmm. about, uh, star Lord, Peter Quill. Um, and to make it such a, we knew he was, he wasn't just human and that he was like kind of a special person because of the end of guardians, Mm -hmm. the first movie. Um, so I, I just, I love the fact that in this movie, like he's more than just special. He's like a God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but then since we're in full spoilers, I'll just go ahead and say it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he sacrifices the divine part of himself, mm-hmm. uh, in the climax of the movie. So, you know, he has this every man quality to him that I think we all liked. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's like the only human in the whole fran- in, in the whole guardians franchise. One of mm-hmm. the only humans, um, at least he's the only guardian who's right. Human. Um, and so, you know, we think of him that way, but until this movie, you know, we knew that he really wasn't, he was a special guy. And then I just think it's amazing that without hesitation at all, he just completely sacrificed that part of himself yeah. because, you know, he knew what was important and, and now he really is just a dude from earth. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's just a regular dude now. Um, and, and that's, that's an amazing part of his character. And mm-hmm. I, the fact that he made that sacrifice just makes him even cooler. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. great. <laughs> so great. And yeah. the, the whole, like, uh, let's see, reading, reading trivia. I saw that the, uh, that Chris Pratt said that, that the script helped him get through his father's death and everything. And there's yeah. a lot about like fatherhood and about father and son relationships and, and, uh, and all that. And like, Obviously, Yondu were in spoilers. He he dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sacrifices himself to save uh, Quill, and they have that whole like, uh, you know, he ego's your father, but I was your dad, or however it's phrased and stuff. And like that got me choked up because obviously 
last year I lost my father, so kind mm-hmm. of a little raw there. Um, but just like the beauty of it and the the way that the the movie handled that dynamic, like something as simple as ego showing um, Quill how to uh, utilize the power, like like he has this power to kind of create anything, um, and like the, it turns into them fucking playing catch. Yeah, that's like. That was just beautiful. And then, um, and then like you have just such an, like the thing about Chris Pratt as an actor about, and about Peter Quill as a character is that he has this genuine thing about him, this genuine energy to him. Like he is, he's like a, uh, he's like a cool, he's a freaking cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he has like his own baggage and everything. And he, he, deals with his his issues and, and the issues that he faces in such a genuine way and to see that play into such a a heavy emotional storyline is really remarkable and I think Chris Pratt nailed it like really, really well. Um and then just the beauty of the of the the comedy in the script in juxtaposed for, by that and or juxtaposed with that. Like like there's a line where like they're talking about like how he's going to create something like he says uh he says he's going to create a giant Pac-Man statue <laughs> yeah. on the planet and then that that pays off later cuz he creates I and it's such a beautiful thing cracked up so hard it was so that. great and it's such a dramatic moment yeah of them fighting and then it's just fucking Pac-Man <laughs> yeah. like what that's just so uh. great um, and it demonstrates yeah. the hum- humility of his character too. Oh, absolutely! Because you know, ego literally has a big ego. He made yeah. a giant version of himself, and he right. he used Pac-Man. That's mm-hmm. just perfect. And like when he, when it when it's revealed that uh, that ego killed his mother. Yeah. Like, like the way that it's written. Like I saw it. Like. Like there's a point where yeah. I'm sure everyone's like, "Oh no, he's about to say that this is about," and and I'm glad that they he just went ahead and said it, right? And it wasn't like some big thing revealed later because it it worked in the in the favor of the script there. Mm-hmm. But like when he said that, it was just like I it just ripped me apart because yeah. not because he did it, but because you know what that means to right. to to Peter, yeah. Um, and also earlier about your point about uh, getting choked up at a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, the only other movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I can think of doing that is the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy, the yeah. original. <laughs> yeah, with his mother that's dying. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so that's that's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what what else? Like, go, well, what's up? <laughs> I, I love Star Lord's reaction to that moment when he finds out that mm-hmm. Ego killed his mother. Because it's one of the things I love about his character is that he's just so one of the reasons why he's the 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 de facto leader of the Guardians and why mm-hmm. he's such a good leader is that he has he has like a he has like a code he has like a set a set of values that mm-hmm. he doesn't need to really sit and think about things I guess because as soon as he found out that ego killed his mother like he barely got the sentence out and he pulled out his guns and started shooting yeah and you know when at the the climax of the movie when he has to sacrifice the divine part of his identity uh, who he is as a person biologically he doesn't even hesitate for a split second like he's just like nope this has to go this is i Mm -hmm. mean we we have to say the universe this is how it's going to 
no question. This is how it's, this is what has to happen. And he yep. just does it. And I think that's, that's one thing I just love about his character. He, he just acts, he just does things at the drop of the hat because that's what's right to do. Not because it's going to affect him in a certain way or, um, you know, in the first movie he grabbed the infinity stone away from Ronan with the complete thought that it was going to just kill him. Right. Right. And he, he's, he's like, well, it doesn't matter. That's what has to happen. We mm-hmm. have to save the galaxy. That's what I got to do. So he does it. And that's just such a cool part of his character. Oh and, yeah. You know, that's what a hero should be. And he's very, I, just, I like the way that they reinforce that all the time. Yeah. It's awesome. He's very, uh, um, I don't want to say emotionally driven, but like he's very reactionary. Yes. And he's very, he's very, uh, he's not like a plan. He doesn't have like a plan. Yeah, he's exactly. Kind of like he's the Joker. very, he's like a guy with a plan. Right. He just reacts. Yeah. Like he's said. like a, he's a reactionary character. He's very improvised heavy. Right. Um, and everything. And that works really well with that character and with the way that Chris Pratt plays him. Yeah. Um, yeah, what what else can we talk about with that? Um one thing I wanted to bring up is that I I've I've loved Michael Rooker for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm glad that he and James Gunn are like friends and he yeah. puts on all his movies. Um but e- even in like James Gunn movies, I feel like Michael Rooker is mostly just a character actor. Yeah. He's he's not not a leading guy or anything, but mm-hmm. it was so awesome to see him just kick ass. Oh yeah. In such a major way mm-hmm. in a movie and like he he wasn't just some ancillary character right. actor. In this like he was so he was kind of a linchpin of the plot of this yeah. movie and to see him just crush that and just be awesome in like to be just an awesome character mm-hmm. be an awesome actor give a great performance yeah. and just kind of help carry the whole movie yeah. I was so happy to see Michael Rooker do that. Finally, he was he was Mary fucking Poppins. Yes, he was so great, <laughs> so great. Um, yeah, but yeah, to that point, I I agree one hundred percent. What I loved about it is that the whole movie, like the emotional core of the movie and the big the big crux of the movie at the end, is that Yondu is is sacrificing himself to save Peter, and it's because he is you know, he's a father to him. Like he is, mm-hmm. he's the father figure in Peter's life and he cares about him. And there's that, there's that really strong emotional thing. Um, but then it's like, you get that, but it, it's not like, it's, it's like they weren't done with him in the movie. Cause you get, you get an incredible, uh, back and forth and, and incredible scenes with him and rocket where they, they're kind of, they're on the same kind of playing field with each other and they, they, they notice the similarities between the two of them and they have this really, this bond that forms throughout the movie. And it's like, it's like if you're, if you're making the movie about Peter and, um, Peter's two fathers in the movie, like you don't, you don't necessarily need to do this Yondu and Rocket bonding thing except to expand upon the character and, and to really expand on the character dynamics and everything. And it's like, it's one of those things that the writing is so beautiful because it is both about, it's a both of, it's both about informing the Yondu character and setting up his sacrifice and, and uh, setting up the emotional impact of the sacrifice and everything while also humanizing the trash panda in the group, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, humanizing rocket. And like when rocket, when you see that tear, that rocket is has coming from his eyes uh when the when the ravagers come out and they they do their their whole funeral thing it's like it's it's beautiful and it's so mm-hmm. impactful um just really ah uh, just really great i i loved yeah, it absolutely um 
yeah, and like uh, like what else and stuff. Um, Gamora and Nebula. Nebula, yeah. yeah. Um, that I thought was kind of a weak point of the movie for yeah. me. Um, kind of smashed in there. Y- Shehorned in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it didn't. It didn't t- take away from it that much. Um, yeah. I feel like it could have been stronger that that connection could have been stronger, but it Mm -hmm. was also the most, you know, um, disconnected from, from the main plot thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see what, what else is there? Um, in the little, um, the unspoken thing between (laughs) and star Lord -Lord. was a little, um, it was funny, but it, it was a little like, Come on, let's let's kind of get on with this here. Like, yeah. we, we know where this is going. Exactly. Yeah. I think it paid off pretty well because, like, they had that moment at the end when when they're when they're mourning Yondu. I, I thought that was yeah. that was a nice moment. Totally, it was a good payoff. But I think they maybe they did kind of reference the unspoken thing and they kind of went a little cutesy with it. Uh, maybe like one or two scenes too many throughout the movie. Gotcha. Um, Drax and is it Mantis? Mm-hmm. Um, those two characters like Drax is so great. Yes. Um, I loved, I loved his, all of his interactions with, with Mantis really. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just really well done. Yeah. Yeah. Greatness. Um, let's see. And then, yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of running out of stuff. Yeah. Let's see okay so let's talk about like the the tags and stuff there's like six tags <laughs> were there you know i didn't even stay yeah. till the very i didn't even Wait, stay didn't? till the very end i what? saw the the adam why not i saw the adam stinger okay um and i think that was it what i had to was pee the final oh yeah, okay. I, was, I got that i was tired it was friday night i'd gotten up early mm-hmm. i'm old what um, was uh i drove from another state uh, good for you oh thank you um, the Adam one, yeah. Let's talk about that because I I reference it in the yeah. non spoiler section. Did you did you research what that was, or do you know anything about it? Yeah, he's Adam is kind of one of the he's one of the guardians of the galaxy in the in the books. Yeah, Adam um, Warlock. More Adam Warlock. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's all I really know. Yeah, it's something. It's a whole thing. Uh, the kind of thing that I was talking about in the non spoiler section is that, um, he was one of the. In the in the comic books, I guess he's he's very integral to the Infinity Stones plot line and the okay. Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos and all that. Um, and James Gunn wanted to include him in the movie, have a more prominent role. But I'm so glad that he didn't because it would have bogged down everything. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at in that non-spoiler section. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I hadn't. I didn't really have any any clue until I I researched it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. So did you see? Did you see Groot? No. You didn't? I didn't know. Oh, man. Tiny. I don't think I did, no. Take a jug with you next time. <laughs> um, do you want me to spoil it for you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So there's a stinger. I think it's kind of at the end, then maybe the final stinger, uh, where it's it's Groot in a room just listening to music, and there's like uh, tree like tree debris and stuff all over the place. And then Peter Quill comes in, and he... He's talking to Groot, and it's very clear that it's it's teenage Groot. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's like uh, uh, Star Lord's like he's like, uh, how many times do I have to tell you? You got to clean up, clean up your your bushes and st- or your branches and stuff. You got to you got to keep this place clean. And then all you hear is just 
is Groot kind of just doing, uh, saying I am Groot, but he's saying it in a tone that's like, I am Groot. And then Peter's like, I'm not boring. Like, you'll listen to me. <laughs> it's like very much he's a defiant teenager. Uh, that's awesome. And it's so perfect. It's it's great. And I'm hoping that that's what volume three is going to be is Teenage Groot. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, 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 you know, it's fun. They have fun. Nice. Um, uh, let's see. And then there's also, uh, we didn't talk about the um, uh, uh, Stan Lee cameo. Oh, um, yeah. Which... I'm sure has such significance to the comics. I didn't have a chance to research it or anything. Right. Um, I want to say that I'm, my gut reaction is that it's kind of confirming that he's some kind of entity from the comics. I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Fekus, when you're listening to this, correct me. Um, but, uh, he, but I guess he's like, I think it's like the watchers in it or something. It's like this, uh, this celestial being or something. So that reference where he's like, and then one time I was a FedEx driver talking about, um, uh, civil war. Right. Um, I kind of think that that confirms that he's one of these, it's the same character in every, and all, all his yeah. cameos in the movies are the same character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, does that about cover it? That covers it. Yeah, so I think we're going to be closing down this review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, really liked it. And then, yeah, let's let's wrap this up with a quick potpourri. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so potpourri, uh, for those listening, uh, for the first time, uh, potpourri is a section of the podcast where we talk about some something that we've been watching lately or something we're looking forward to. Anything we want, as long as it smells good, is the, kind of the tagline of potpourri for us. Uh, we each have one thing. We're going to be kind of quick about it because uh, we're running a little bit long on recording. Um, so, Tiny, what are you going to bring up uh, for potpourri? I'm going to bring up the movie Gold that came out last year, uh, towards the end of 2016, mm-hmm. directed by Stephen Gagan, starring Matthew McConaughey. Um, I, I kind of just wanted to see it. I, I, I think it's uh, the uh, artistic follow-up to the uh, previous Matthew McConaughey vehicle, Fool's Gold. Where no, I'm just kidding. It's not. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember that movie. I saw it. Could not tell you anything that happens. Yeah, him and Kate Hudson. Yeah, they yeah. do something. Sure. Together, and they fall in love. I don't know. I don't remember that movie whatsoever. Right. Um, which is uh, a testament to Matthew McConaughey's early career. Right. Um. So I I just wanted to watch this because I thought it looked funny. I was like, oh, Matthew McConaughey put on a bunch of weight and he's balding. Let's watch it. Mm-hmm. Um. So I that's that's kind of why I wanted to watch it. Um, it it was it was it was okay. It was it was a pretty solid movie. Okay. Um, it's based loosely on a true story, sort of, very loosely from what I understand. But um, basically, Matthew McConaughey plays like a prospector who's trying to find, you know, like the he's like a modern day prospector kind of mm-hmm. trying to find a huge gold reserve somewhere in the world and basically make a bunch of money on gold. Um, and he finds this guy played by Edgar Ramirez, who's like a, a whiz kid kind of geologist who can knows how to find uh, reserves of precious metals. And the movie just kind of goes from there. Um, so I, I really wanted to see the movie because of Matthew McConaughey playing a bit of a transformative character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it sounded like a cool plot. Um, un- unfortunately, I think 
I'm not saying the reconnaissance has come to an end or anything, right? But um, this kind of felt like some old school Matthew McOver act a little bit. Oh, really? A, a little bit. I'm not. I'm not sure if he was actually good or if he was overacting. I can't really tell. Okay. Um, or I, I can't make that distinction. Um, mm. there were definitely several scenes where he was, he was good, and I'm not sure if it was just supposed to be part of the character that he was just kind of over the top and he was kind of in people's faces and, mm-hmm. and very flamboyant and emotive. I don't know if that was just supposed to be part of the character or if it was just Matthew McConaughey going a little overboard. Sure. Uh, I, I really, I really couldn't tell. Um, but I, I didn't dislike his performance or anything. Um, I, I respect what he did physically with it. Like I said, he shaved his head and was wearing like a bald, balding kind of wig. Mm-hmm. Um, he was wearing false teeth and he put on like 40 pounds or something like that. So I respected all that. And I think he incorporated all those things into the character. The character is like this really kind of greasy salesman, car salesman kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Always has his tie undone and just like disheveled kind of smoking cigarettes in every single scene. And mm-hmm. um, he really played that shockingly well for a guy who's was at least the sexiest man in the world once or something like that. I don't, I don't know, whatever. Right. Um, so that, that, sure, that was, you don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was, I didn't know that it was 2004. Um, <laughs> no, I, so that, that was genuinely fascinating to watch. Um, so it's, it's a decent movie worth watching. Um, I, I paid $5 to rent it. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, sure. but no, I, I like Edgar Ramirez as well. I think he was kind of phoning it, phoning it in a little bit in this movie. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty solid movie and I think the story is a cool idea. Um, and McConaughey's performances, it's worth a watch just because I'm not sure how to take it or it's, it's, uh, it's a very, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece together how he did this performance or what was, what what he was going for there. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. I'd be curious to hear what other people think. Okay, interesting. And that's called Gold. You rented it. How did you rent it? Uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Nice. Cool. Um, so let's see. I For my potpourri, um, it's a recent arrival to Netflix. Uh, it's a documentary, Tiny. Um, nice. It was released on May 5th on Netflix. It's uh, The Mars Generation, oh. um, which I'll go ahead and read uh, just the plot description, plot description from IMDb. Uh, Aspiring teenage astronauts reveal that a journey to Mars is closer than you think. Um, so it's about uh, teenagers at space camp, and it has a lot of uh, talking heads from like Bill Nye, uh, Michio Kaku, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, among other kind of space, you know, scientists and stuff. Um, and it has a lot of interviews with the kids that are at this uh, at this space camp, and it's kind of part documentary about these kids at space camp and part documentary about um space travel and our history with space travel and the future of space travel and it's i mean it it kind of like watch it like i am in hardcore supporter of space travel and like i would like I'm I'm super obsessed with that kind of thing and and uh I would love for us to go to Mars and I would love for us to expand our space exploration past Earth and and really like like one of my great uh one of one of the my great regrets in life is that I was born before we colonized the stars and everything like <laughs> I I wish that we lived in like a spacefaring thing that's why like mass effect the mass effect franchise the expanse series and and science fiction in general like that's why i gravitate toward these things is because i just love that that idea of humanity 
breaking through, breaking from the shackles of just the planet Earth and, and really expanding upon our placing us across the the solar system and the galaxy and everything. Like space exploration is just fascinating to me. So <laughs> anyway, uh, the documentary focuses on why we need to go to Mars and, and what's needed to go to Mars and, and how, uh, we're not at a pace where we will go to Mars. Right. So, I mean, from me, me watching this felt, it, it felt like preaching to the choir. Like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, uh, yeah, I know guys, <laughs> I know Bill, let's, let's get there. <laughs> um, but the way that they package together the information, it's, it's really, it's really remarkable. I, I really like the, I appreciate the way that they package together the information because they basically start out by talking about our history with space exploration, how, uh, NASA was founded, um, the work of, uh, uh, Werner, uh, Werner von, von Braun and how he, you know, we took him from the Nazis and put yeah. him to work. And uh, just basically the history of SpaceX, uh, of space, not SpaceX, but space exploration and the space program and how like the Cold War really fueled that and everything and how it kind of fizzled out after that, how the shuttle program wasn't ideal for uh, launching a launching anything past, you know, what the shuttle program worked on and, and what's needed for, to really put us into place with the, uh, uh, into onto a pace to get to Mars to colonize Mars and and really put us to a place and it's 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 really inspirational and really incredible to to see them put this together and it's also very um disappointing not disappointing but um dismaying to see just how far away we are from that like the kind of thesis statement is that the Mars generation is these kids at space camp but it's like also it's like you know, we're not the Mars generation guys <laughs> because we're not funding this shit. We're, you know, the next few generations, they're the Mars generation. Right. Um, but by the time this documentary gets to SpaceX and the work of Elon Musk um, and talking about like the uh, the reusable rockets that, that he developed and everything, it's like they put it into such a brilliant context for why for why the work that he's doing is – in uh, the work that SpaceX and the, and the work of the work of space people today, <laughs> um, why it's so important. Um, it, it's really beautiful the way that they package that, together that information. Nice. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't, it's like, they say that like, you know, he's not, Elon Musk isn't Tony Stark. He's not like, he's not, he's going to fail. Like he's, he's failing. He, he fails like his work fails and everything. It's the mm -hmm. same as the shuttle program and, and NASA, they, failed and tested and everything and everything. It's trial and error. Um, trial and error. It's yeah. Part of science. It's, it's science. Yeah. yeah. Um, my one, my one big complaint, like I said, I, I mean, it's preaching to the choir. I'm so on board with everything that they said. And like, I got excited at the parts that I was supposed to get excited at. I got pissed off at the parts that pissed me off. And that was, that talks about how the space program isn't, uh, what it used to be because it doesn't have that, cold war propulsion to it like um one of the stats is that back uh during the during the shuttle era um between like 1965 and 1966 specifically nasa's budget was four percent of the national budget or the federal budget or whatever that was given to them mm -hmm. um that's when it was developed to go to the moon and everything right four percent of the budget right now NASA has 0.4%. Right. And it's like, it's, it's, it's just, 
Ah, uh, ah. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, my other like kind of a big complaint about the the documentary for me um, was that I I didn't know anything about the documentary going into it. I just knew it was about kids at space camp. Didn't really show that much of them there. Mm. Uh, I mean, you get talking heads, you get them kind of giving their like. 14 to 18 year old kids giving their perspective on, on the history of space flight and on the history and future of space travel and everything. Um, I kind of wish it would have been, you know, they would have included some like more stuff of them at space camp, them doing their thing. But I mean, that's kind of, I'm just kind of, you know, it's nitpicking at best because the actual content of the, of the documentary was, was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And I recommend checking it out because it's really important guys. Like we're, you know, like we're going to die here. Like (laughs) humanity needs to move. Like, right. Come on. Like the planet's going to evict us eventually. Yeah. Um, we don't have squatters rights. Um, so anyway, (laughs) there was a a cool episode of, uh, the West wing where, um, a, a NASA employee basically comes to Josh Lyman to convince him to give them to fund their project for Mars. Oh, and the way she persuades him is really cool because she nice. she basically says like if you give us four years and two point five billion dollars we can get to Mars and back. Um, oh, that's so awesome. And then he like in the in the movie or in the show they talk often about budget stuff and like they throw mm-hmm. around like ten billion dollars and thirty billion dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. And Josh Lyman was like shocked by how low the number was. Yeah, like two and a half billion dollars over four years is like nothing. Right. Yeah. So. It, that I, I remember loving that episode because I also like space nice. exploration and everything. So right. that documentary sounds right up my alley. Nice. I, yeah, I recommend checking it out. There was one part where um, one of the kids was like, when they talked about that stat of everything, they're like, uh, they give this very small amount to NASA and then the DOD has like so many other things. And he's like, that's, that's appalling to me. And I'm like, yeah, that that sucks. That's really appalling. But it's like, I mean, DOD is kind of an important part, yeah. too. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so, so it's called uh, The Mars Generation. It's on Netflix. It was released on May 5th. Uh, check that out on the Netflix. And uh, Tiny, I think that's going to wrap us up. Yep. Um, do you have any suggestions on what we should do for next week? Oh, boy. I yeah. Don't, I don't know. There is a... Because I looked um, on... IMDb, the next, like, kind of the only major movie that's releasing this weekend is, uh, I'm hesitant to say this because I'm kind of nervous that you're going to be like, oh, yeah, let's review that. Um, King Arthur. Oh, I'm not. Okay. That movie's just so not on my radar at all. Okay, good. You actually brought it up at the, at, uh, uh, the summer movie preview. Yeah. like, Like a couple years ago. Before it got delayed. Did I really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it was Guy Ritchie. And I was like, yeah. I like Guy Ritchie, but uh, Charlie yeah. Hanam. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> so there is, uh, let's see, there, I mean, there's a documentary on Netflix that we could review if people aren't too sick of us doing like Netflix reviews and stuff. Um, it's called, um, I sent you the. Um, sent you the preview like a long time ago, but it's called Casting John Bonet. Uh, yeah, um, I actually watched it. Did you really? Yeah. Oh crap! Would it be like worthy of reviewing? I wasn't into it really. Okay. Well, yeah. that's going in the pooper. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think you should in definitely watch it. But I, mm-hmm. it was kind of lost on me after a while. And I, I just saw that's only an hour and twenty minutes too. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, do you have anything? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, yeah, we have no idea what we're going to be reviewing next week or what we're going to be talking about next week, but you can, uh, you know, be excited to check us out next time. <laughs> um, let's see. And, uh, anything else we need to go over, Tiny? I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, guys, um, if you like what you heard and you want to help support the podcast, easiest way to do that would be to donate to her. No, shit. If you like what you heard and you want to help support the podcast, please go over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. Um, you can also uh, become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer uh, to make recurring monthly donations. Or if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to the donate link in the show notes of this episode and click the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com. Any and all donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to release these uh, podcast episodes to you. Um, of course, free of charge for everyone. Um, not that we'd ever charge for them. But anyway, um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week and uh, for a mystery episode I, that we have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, uh, having said all that, guys, thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.